parenting. It's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back. I am so glad you're here. Today's episode is the fourth and final episode in my four-week summer series where I have been giving you the tools, the strategies, and of course the perspective to have an awesome summer with your kids, especially if they are done with school for the summer and they are home a lot more than you're used to. So the first episode in this series was all about managing summer boredom and why you don't need to push academics over the summer. And then we talked about screen time. Last week, we talked about encouraging your child to play by themselves more often. And then today, we are going to dive into supporting siblings while they're home together for the summer. Now, as I've mentioned in the previous episodes, if you don't have kids who are school age or if your kids are homeschooled or for whatever reason, the whole idea of talking about this in the context of summer doesn't make sense for you, that is okay. These episodes will still be so useful to you because the things I'm talking about, the principles and the ideas are going to be the same, regardless of whether you're supporting your child when they're home from school for the summer or just in general. So hopefully you're still getting a lot out of this four-week summer series. So today we're going to dive into supporting siblings. And I also just want to note, if you don't have more than one child, this is still going to be relevant because your child is still going to have peer interactions. And all of the principles that we're talking about here are still going to apply when your child is in social settings. So there are going to be a lot of pieces of this episode that are still helpful for you. So we're going to start, as we typically do on this podcast, with two really important perspective shifts around supporting siblings. And speaking of perspective... You know, I think perspective is such an important piece of parenting. Take, for example, if you've got a child who is displaying behaviors we typically think of as shy, right? And I did a whole episode a few weeks ago on why I don't even like calling kids shy. But let's say you show up at a social gathering and there's other kids off playing and your child is just glued to your side. If you don't have the perspective to know that that's normal and healthy and to know how to support them in that moment, you can start to go down that parenting rabbit hole. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with my kid? What does this behavior mean? Does my child have a problem that needs to be fixed? But when you have the perspective to know that these behaviors are not a problem, it's actually a sign that your child is trusting herself and listening to her body. Then you can relax and you can say, you know what? My kid will play when she's ready. The perspective shift there is a game changer. So toward that end, I have created a free guide for you. This free guide is a game changer because it will shift the way you see parenting. It'll shift the way you see yourself and your child, especially in hard moments. You can get your copy totally free, raiseresilient.com forward slash mindset. So go grab your copy today. Okay, so now let's talk about the perspective shifts that are required to really effectively support siblings in their relationship. Okay, here's the first one. 
It is totally normal for siblings to have a hard time getting along. It is so, so, so normal for them to have this sort of primal jealousy towards each other. And sometimes that's going to come out as conflict directly towards each other, like it did when I had my second child and my first child would be frustrated with him and it would come out in their relationship. And sometimes it's going to come out in other ways, maybe not directly toward their sibling, which is what we saw when I had my third child. They were smitten with the baby, but the conflict came out towards each other and in other behaviors. But it's normal for siblings to have a hard time and to have this really primal jealousy towards each other. So when I first had my second child, my oldest, who was then almost three, he had a really hard time with that transition. I remember being floored one of the first days we were home from the hospital. And he said to me with tears in his eyes, he said, put the baby down and give me a hug, which of course I did. I put the baby down in a safe spot and I gave him a hug, but I was just blown away by how hard that transition was for him. So I read the book, Siblings Without Rivalry, which I highly recommend if you haven't read it. It's by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslish. And it is really such a wonderful resource on all things siblings. But one of the things from that book that was so eye-opening for me was this analogy that they use. They talk about how we should imagine as parents that our partner comes to us and says, okay, so I love you so much and I think you're so great that I'm going to bring home another partner just like you. And you need to share your things and understand that I'm going to be spending a lot of time with this new partner to make sure that they feel really welcome. So you'll have to entertain yourself more than you're used to. And you're going to have to really be kind to this person to really make them feel welcome. Just take a moment and think about how that feels in your body when you really imagine your partner saying that to you. Most of us would find that so threatening. We would probably feel angry, sad maybe a little scared, confused. And they share that analogy to say that this is how our children feel when they get a sibling. Now that doesn't mean that having another child is the wrong move. It doesn't mean that your children won't grow up to be wonderful friends. And actually as a parent, you have a hand in developing the strength of their relationship. So that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. But even if they grow up to have a wonderful relationship, siblings will struggle with each other. And then the second mindset shift, conflict between siblings, and this is related, but not completely the same. Conflict between siblings is totally normal and healthy and expected. And eliminating sibling conflict is not the goal. So if your kids have been fighting and you've been trying to find a way to stop them from fighting and basing your barometer of how they're doing on how much or how little they're fighting, you're sort of looking in the wrong place for your successes because siblings will fight. This is normal. The goal is not to stop them from fighting. The goal is to use those moments as teaching moments to teach and model and support them in developing healthy conflict resolution skills. And I'm going to talk more today about how to do that, but that is a mindset shift. I don't know about you, but when I first became a parent of two kids, I thought the goal was for them to just get along. And that's just not the case. They will argue and there will be those moments of primal jealousy. And our goal as parents, just like we don't fix feelings, 
is to help them and support them in feeling what they feel and working it out together in a healthy way. So with those two perspective shifts in mind, let's talk about what we can do to support our kids in developing a healthy relationship and learning healthy conflict resolution skills. Okay, so the first one, expect conflict. Just expect it to be a thing. And you can even talk to your kids about this in a calm moment. So a while back, I said to my kids one day, and I don't know why I thought to say this to them, but I am so glad I did because it was like a light bulb went off for them. But I said, did you know that it is so normal for brothers and sisters to argue sometimes? I remember arguing with my brothers when I was a little girl too. You know, you're both awesome kids. So the problem isn't you. The problem isn't you. The problem is that you're both still learning to handle it when you have different ideas about things and when those ideas cause big feelings. You're still learning to handle those moments kindly and without hitting. And that's totally okay. I'm here to help. So telling my kids that explicitly was a huge moment for them. Because I think before that, they really did believe that each other was the problem, which is what we tend to think when we're new at resolving conflict, right? I don't know about you, but I definitely had some of that when I first met my partner 13 years ago. Neither of us had really worked through the trenches of conflict with somebody before that, right? And I think a lot of us, especially as women, but I think this can be true for men too, that we were socialized to avoid conflict. We were socialized to make sure that the other people around us felt comfortable. And so we didn't learn conflict resolution skills. We learned to turn away from conflict. And if you don't know that conflict in healthy relationships is normal and expected, and you don't have the skill set to work through it, you can feel like any relationship where there is conflict is a bad relationship. And that is just not true. Any healthy relationship where two people are showing up authentically, there's going to be conflict. You're not the same person. So having this mindset of conflict is normal and teaching that to our kids is a game changer. So that's my first tip. Just expect conflict and even be transparent with your kids about the fact that this is what's happening and it's healthy and normal and they're both good kids who are struggling because they don't yet have that skill set that they need. My next tip is a simple one, but it's also really, really powerful. Teach your children to call for your help when they feel overwhelmed. This is something that we have been working on with my kids for a while now, and they are not perfect at it. But when they start to get really heated and overwhelmed, instead of getting physical with each other, they will call for us and we'll come up and support them and scaffold them so that they can resolve the conflict. And so teach your kids that not only can they call for you when they feel overwhelmed, but that when you come to help them, you're going to come in in a way that is that of a supporter and a co-regulator and not someone who's punitive and angry. And I think it's a lot easier to show up as that person when you have the perspective that we just talked about, right? That conflict is normal. It's not bad that your kids are fighting and they need your help. They legit can't do these things on their own. They need help. They need modeling. They need support. They need co-regulation to be able to do these things. Okay. So my third tip, when there is conflict, your role is that of a sportscaster as opposed to a referee. So 
instead of coming in and solving the conflict for them, which might look like forcing a child to apologize or punishing one child or forcing a child to give up their turn with something because the other child wants a turn. Those are all forms of refereeing conflict. And that is not what your kids need from you in challenging moments. So instead, you are a sportscaster. You walk into a conflict and as long as both kids are safe, then your only job is to narrate what's happening so that they can begin to connect the dots. If there is physical conflict, obviously you want to separate the kids, make sure that they are safe. That is your top priority. But even with that, you can sportscast. Wow, there are so many big feelings here. I'm going to help you both stop. Or I'm going to take her for a break because she's really struggling and I will be back to check in with you in just a moment. Keep your kids safe first, but then you can still narrate what's happening. And again, the goal here is to help your kids begin to be able to connect the dots around their feelings, their behaviors, how their feelings affect their behaviors and how those behaviors affect their sibling, right? So teaching them that in relationships, what we do and say and how we act has an effect on the other person. So some examples of sports casting might sound like this. There's one slide and two of you. You both want to turn. I wonder how you're going to choose to work that out. Hmm, you were building a tower and then your sister knocked it down. It seems like you're feeling mad about that. I really get that. It looks like you're wanting to build a sandcastle that looks like this, and you're wanting to build one that looks like this. That's really tough because the ways that you both want to build kind of clash with each other. I wonder what you're going to decide to do. Hmm... It looks like she didn't like you being so close and she used her hands to move your body out of the way. And you didn't like that very much. These are all ways to help your kids start to connect those dots in the midst of a conflict. Okay, so my fourth tip, and this one's really, really important. Never assign blame or favor one child over the other when you walk into a conflict. Now, I know this is hard because when you watch one of your kids seemingly antagonize or get physical with your other child... There is a primal mama bear or papa bear energy that comes out. And I've been there. I mean, I have walked in and seen my oldest sitting on top of my youngest when he was a baby or hitting him or taking his toys. Or even now, I will sometimes see him sort of mouthing words that I know my five-year-old just is getting irked by. And it can be so hard not to come in and come down on the child that you see antagonizing, but please stop yourself from doing that. And if you do, again, we don't have to do any of this perfectly, but if you do, that's a moment to repair. Because here's the thing. If you have this idea of one child as the antagonist and the other child as the victim, your kids are, first of all, going to start to adopt those ideas about themselves. That will come through to them, whether or not you say it explicitly. Also, they're learning nothing about conflict and it hurts their relationship. They will fight more with each other when they don't feel like they are both seen through your eyes as good kids who are struggling. If they feel like, even if one of them feels like I'm the problem here, that is going to negatively affect the sibling relationship. You're going to see even more conflict. So it is so important. I know it is so hard, but walk into the room with an open mind, with the idea that there are two sides to every story. 
Don't go in angry. If you need a minute, take a minute, take a deep breath, regulate yourself. Use a mantra. Two good kids, both struggling. Two good kids who need my help. There are two sides to every story. These are mantras that I use before walking into a conflict between my boys. And then you can walk in and you can say, I can tell there are so many big feelings in here. I know that's so hard. And I want to talk to both of you about how you're feeling, right? And sometimes I'll even say, I have an arm to hug each one of you if you want. Sometimes they want that. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes one of them wants that and the other one doesn't. But I walk in looking at the conflict as the problem and not my kids or one of my kids. My fifth tip is to allow space for your kids to be frustrated with each other. We don't need to fix our kids' feelings and we don't need to keep our kids happy with each other. Okay, so you don't need to keep your child happy and you don't need to keep your kids happy with each other. Again, with this whole idea that Conflict is a normal and healthy part of any healthy relationship. We want to remember that it's normal for them to have negative feelings towards each other sometimes. And so if one child says something like, I wish I didn't even have a brother, resist the urge to say, oh, no, you don't mean that. Instead, say something like, sometimes having a brother is so hard. I really get that. And if your other child is present, you can add something like, You know, I know both of you feel that way sometimes. You feel two ways at the same time. You love each other. And also, sometimes having a brother is really hard. I understand. So you're allowing space for your children to have those feelings without trying to fix them, without trying to talk them out of it. You don't mean that. Oh, you love your brother. Yes, they do love each other. Two things are true at the same time, and we've got to support our kids in that so that they can start to hold both of those ideas instead of getting into this mindset of, if I'm mad at you, I can't love you, right? They are going to need us to hold those two ideas first before they can. And just a note here, you know, I will do a whole episode on introducing a new sibling and preparing for a new sibling, but If you have a baby or if you are having a baby or bringing a new child into your home, talk to the child who is already in your home and talk about how, you know, sometimes you're really going to love having a sister and sometimes you might wish you didn't have a sister. You might feel both of those things. And if you did, that would be totally okay. That makes so much sense, right? And then if your child, if your new child is already here, pull your oldest aside and say, you know, I know sometimes it might feel really hard to have a sister. Even if your child has not expressed anything like that, I promise you, go back to that first mindset shift we talked about and the analogy from siblings without rivalry and think about that. Even if your child hasn't said to you, I hate my sister or I wish you could send her back. Trust me that they are feeling it on some level and you articulating that is not going to create feelings that aren't already there or make the relationship problematic. It's only going to make your oldest feel seen. Oh, she gets me. I'm not a monster for having these feelings or, oh yeah, I am feeling that. I didn't even realize I was feeling that. Oh, phew. It's so good to feel like I'm not a bad kid because I feel that your child needs to hear that. And saying that explicitly is only going to help the relationship. So make space if your child isn't bringing it up to have those conversations. Okay, the next tip 
is to create separate alone spaces. This is especially true if your kids share a room, but even if they don't, so their their alone spaces could just be their rooms if they don't share a room. But if they do share a room, this is especially important. So you can include your kids in the process and help them choose spaces where they can go when it's too tricky to play together. And you can say something like, in the moment, seems like it's too tricky to play together right now. Let's try again in a little while. And in the meantime, you can each go to your alone spaces and play alone for a little while. So for my kids, it's their rooms. But again, it doesn't even have to be a whole room. If your child wants to go hide under a table and play by themselves for a little while, that's totally fine. It just needs to be a space where your child can go to when they're feeling overwhelmed in the sibling relationship and to have a little bit of alone time and some calm. So Again, include your child in the process of choosing this space. And then in the moment, you can support them in choosing to go there. You know, when I taught kindergarten for a year, I taught kindergarten to children who were identified as emotionally at risk. So there were six kids in our class and we had these cubbies. So we got cloth and we had each child paint the cloth to sort of make it their own. And then we stapled the cloth to the top of the cubbies. And then the kids would go sit in there when they needed a break. And there were days where... In moments, we would have six pairs of little feet sticking out from under those curtains because all six kids needed a break from just the intensity of being together all the time. So help your kids find a safe space where they can go when they need a break. And then here's my last tip. When your kids are really struggling with each other, like really having a hard time, like they're not getting any quality playtime and it's just all conflict, all channels, all the time, this is a sign that your kids probably need a little more one-on-one time with you. So create space for that. Make it a formal thing that you do with each child. It doesn't need to be long. It doesn't need to be fancy or expensive or even require leaving the house. It could be five to 10 minutes of that focused play observation that I talked about last week. But whatever it is, make sure you do it regularly. It doesn't have to be daily, but regularly enough. And then Ideally, you want to give it a name, include your child in the process of naming it so that it's a thing, if that makes sense. So it might be called mommy and Maya special time or daddy and Omar playtime or whatever your child wants to call it, but make it a thing and then do that as regularly as you can, because that will fill your child's emotional cup and help to manage that primal jealousy that we talked about in the beginning of this episode. So Those are my tips for setting siblings up for success, especially over the summer. But honestly, these tips apply anytime. And again, there is so much more to say about siblings. So if you have specific questions, as always, you can go to raiseresilient.com forward slash questions and you can submit your question there. But I hope this is helpful. I think it's a good start for really supporting siblings in their relationship. This wraps up our four-week summer series. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you next week. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.